and welcome back to the AdCast, a podcast for the study of modern visual culture. I am your distressed sea cucumber, Renu. <laughs> and I'm your all-purpose mugwort, Soup. <laughs> I'm laughing because I actually really hate sea cucumbers. <laughs> you asked to be the sea cucumber. I know, because it was so funny in the anime. <laughs> Anyway, this week at stands for Agrarian Trials because we'll be talking about Barakamon. But before we get into that, what have we been up to? That is a very good question, uh, as always. <laughs> Let's see if I can sort of reach into the jumbled grab bag that is that is my memory <laughs> and see if I can just sort of rustle anything up, just anything interesting out. up for you. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like a big old bag with a bunch of stuff in it and like, you know, reach in. I pull understand. It out. Like, oh, didn't work? No, mm-hmm. no, no. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, rustle around and there's some more. Um, I have um i feel like i have not been up to too terribly much however i did want to bring this up um specifically because i just need people to know about this uh, okay um this is completely random not about me at all um but the the chain smokers uh the musical group the chain smokers yes has Mm -hmm. put out a um i think it's like i think they put out a new album or something Mm. um but one of their new songs uh uses a a particular sample in like the like the very beginning right so if you look up the you know the the new chainsmoker song you can hear it um it's a it's a voice line from grand blue fantasy what yeah are they allowed to do that (laughs) so i i don't know um okay here's the thing is that um sampling in the music industry has always been a bit of a uh of a weird gray zone in terms of like legality, right? Because it is one of those things that is like if you're putting something in a song as a sample, you're usually doing so in in a creatively generative way, right? This is what we have um like creative uh licenses for, right? Um uh. Like changing stuff, and um, it, it's like you know the same reason that parodies are protected, um, I think, but I'm not sure is the thing, right? Uh, yeah, okay. So I just listened to it, mm-hmm. and I now I'm reading the comments, and someone saying, as a native Japanese speaker, the intro's Japanese sample feels a little bit odd. It says in Japanese, "Go go, Captain, keep it up, keep it up, Captain." So basically, yeah. it's completely out of context. The fact that the line is from a popular Japanese social game makes it even funnier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um it is uh it is a sample of the character Clarice saying uh-huh. um saying uh go do your best uh captain and they so in the game everybody calls you Dancho, right? They call right. you captain because you're the captain of the airship and right. because um all games that have you as a main character require some way of referring to you that isn't your name, right? Because right. it would be really difficult otherwise and very resource intensive to try and accommodate all of those um all all of the name possibilities um in voice acting specifically but uh the way that most games get around this uh, especially in japanese it's much less weird in japanese i'll say is you can just refer to somebody um by their title right by what yeah, they yeah. do um mm-hmm. this is why in um in grand blue fantasy they call you captain and then in Arknights, they call you uh, a doctor, right? Um, 
so yeah, like it's just like a weird, a weird little like slice of stuff that just like doesn't make any sense. Nobody knows how it ended up there. It probably got pulled into some kind of like big sound library. But like, this is like an obscure line read from um from a from a, a I mean a, a popular character in Gamble Fantasy. Um, but like, it's not like it's not even like one of her um you know, uh, catchphrases or anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the person who was using this likely did not have any knowledge of what Grand Blue Fantasy was. They probably just found it in a sound bank somewhere and decided to to use it because it <laughs> sounded well, interesting. This person, this person is commenting saying, this is, tell me you play Grand Blue without telling me you play Grand Blue moment. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so, um, <laughs> and... And the thing is, like, I don't, I really don't know uh, what the what the legality of of doing so is because I yeah, know right. that there are songs that sample, you know, things like movies, right? And I uh-huh. don't know what the legality of that is. And I'm sure it gets even weirder when you're pulling a a sound clip, um, a voice read from a voice actor who doesn't live in your country, right? Um, uh-huh. So the voice actor, uh, the voice actress for Clarice in Gravel Fantasy is Ayane Sakura who is a really well-known voice actor, but, like, you know, I wouldn't expect anybody in uh, in America to know who she is, right? Yeah. I feel like because because the copyright is um, across countries, right? Like, it's not... It's, they have different borders and everything, that it's right. harder to pursue copyright infringement in that case well yeah it is exceedingly difficult to enforce any kind of uh copyright across uh across borders um Mm -hmm. unless it is like straight up just like pirating stuff in which case they are usually more on the ball about about getting rid of it um but this is just like such a weird a weird little slice of like modern existence of just the there's just a there's just a Grand Blue Fantasy sample in in the new Chainsmokers song. I mean, maybe maybe someone in the production or someone in the group like like maybe likes Grand Blue like it like, could like be like a maybe thing. I I would be so curious as to know how this ended up here, like because I'm I'm like almost certain that the uh the entire story is basically. It got like just pulled into a a sound bag. Somebody uh, somebody was just like fucking scraping the web for like s- sound clips that they could sell off in a library, and then somebody found it and figured, oh, this is like, yeah, this is cool. I can put this in my in my cool like indie music or whatever. Um, but still, oh, uh, okay, okay. I I uh, there is a great game rant article about it. Okay, all right, um, all right. It says, as revealed by Andrew Drew Taggart from the Chainsmokers on the Duo's Discord server, the sample was discovered by music director Matt McGuire. According to Drew, the sample was found while the team was watching anime like Death Note and Food Wars. He also stated that it was the other member of the duo, Alexander Alex Paul, who made the call when it came to putting the sample into the song. But is it legal? <laughs> I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, just, I just looked up the article. Yeah, let's see. Um, the sample was found while the team was watching anime is like such a weird thing to say about a, okay, okay, like this is the thing, right? And this article mentions it, which is that it's from, it's from the Christmas variation of, yeah. of Clarice. It's not even from yeah. her like main version. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's so strange. It's so specific. <laughs> wow. Apparently, it, uh, apparently, the official Japanese Twitter account of Grand Blue Fantasy um, uh, like acknowledged that. Oh, um, okay. They even acknowledge, they even encourage fans to take a listen to the song and link the official lyrics video. All right. I mean, I guess if if it's not a problem for them, it's no, no, not. Oh, no okay. Yeah, I mean, it but... could be. It could be that they sampled it with permission from Psy Games. You know, like they might have paid a fee, or they might have like shot them an email, been like, "Hey, can we do this?" Maybe, <laughs> maybe. So um, it would be it would be interesting. Um, yeah. That's just that's just really funny. That is so interesting. It just out of nowhere. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> uh, it actually quite reminds me of another thing that happened um fairly recently, which is um you remember the show Fire Force, right? Yeah. Um. So Fire Force uh had its uh sound design done by uh uh David Productions. I'm pretty sure. Um, mm. which uh you would know from um from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. They did oh. uh, they did JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, right? Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. So David Production um they did the anime for uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Cells at Work, and Fire Force. Um, and uh, you'll you'll know that they're, like they're pretty well regarded for their sound design, right? Um, if you've ever watched JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All the sounds in that show are so like they're at this point they're so iconic that like mm-hmm. everybody knows them, even if you don't watch JoJo's. Like the yep. <laughs> like the uh, the Killer Queen like click sound or the um the like uh, Dio time stop like the what right. So the thing is um. In Fire Force, one of the sounds that they use, that they sample, right? Talking about sampling, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, in in their sound effects is the is the bruh meme, the the meme that <laughs> is just the guy saying bruh, bruh, no, bruh. <laughs> like I'm I'm gonna um I'm going to I'm going to send this to you, but like yes. uh it's it's real. <laughs> oh dear. Like if you listen closely, you can hear yeah. it, and then you'll never be able to unhear it. <laughs> so, but, but they use it so many times. <laughs> like no. once, if if you had not been paying attention, I don't think you would have noticed. No, this. I wouldn't have. But now that you have noticed it, yeah. you can't unnotice it, oh, and suddenly it no. sounds fake. No, now I have to listen for it, like everything I watch now. <laughs> Now you have to watch everything and you have to like be careful and you have to pay you have to strain your ears just in case you hear a bra sample. Stop. <laughs> That's so funny. Why not? <laughs> Honestly, why not? <laughs> so anyway, that is uh that's all I've brought for you today from my bag of Thank tricks. You. Um, two Love fun that. facts about uh about the the world of yeah. entertainment and production. Um there you go. Uh, what have you been up to? Uh, let's see. Well, I told you on the, our little Saturday Ace Attorney stream that I watched Eurovision, and that was a lot of fun. Right, yeah. You were talking about yeah. Eurovision stuff. Yeah. Um, I remember being on Tumblr and Eurovision being like a big thing pretty much every year. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's still a big thing, and it was I a mean, lot yes. of fun. <laughs> to be <laughs> to be to be clear, Eurovision has yeah. always been a massive European thing. It's just that it started yes. to take hold here um, because of the internet. Yes. So if you are scrolling through Twitter and you hear a lot of upheaval over salads or wolves or bananas, it's because of Eurovision. <laughs> of course, it's those just, wacky just Europeans putting it out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it was very funny um, because I mean, on on the one hand, it's it's like it, it Eurovision at least. I think maybe more so this year than previous years because, of course, it's a thing in previous years too. Was very mm-hmm. pro LGBT rights and uh, uh, performances, of course. Like very outrightly, like like you know, uh, uh, LGBT positive. Um, and there were also songs about being persecuted as an LGBT person, but it just, on the one hand, it's like. Of course, that's going to be a thing. But then also, on the other hand, it felt a bit strange at an event where half of the performances were LGBT positive. Do you do you understand what I'm I'm trying to like? It was it was just really really interesting to see because we live in a more conservative country uh, and continent, I guess overall. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm. I am certain that it must be strange to see entertainment from um another another world essentially in which um it is rather normal to be yes. to be queer um right. instead of the weird hell country that we live in that is still actively trying to remove the right for gay people to get married again. Right. <laughs> right, I was like, "Wow, it's so normal in Europe," and then here it's just like it's always just it's just. I mean, I'm sure there's still battles to be had in Europe too, but it's just that it's it's always like a huge, huge issue here, along with women's rights and race issues and just all. This, oh. <laughs> anyway, it was a very positive experience, uh, which Eurovision should be. So if you guys want yeah, something to just it is lighten up your life a bit. <laughs> it it is um it it is quite interesting to take a glimpse into what it looks like when um you you pull together uh essentially a, a competition across an entire continent, um, between a bunch of countries and like they're just they're just kind of there to have fun. Yeah. And they're not fucking worrying about all of the the bullshit that we have to worry about. Don't get me wrong, obviously European politics is a fucking nightmare. Oh yes. Yes. There's I I have I have no envy for that kind of stuff. Um I say from my glass house living in the United <laughs> States. Um but, you know, it's, <laughs> It is there are many things in Europe which are at the very least marginally better than they are here and that's something that like you can quite easily learn to take for granted um as you can tell when you tell anybody about the united states uh like from uh, anyone from europe uh, you can tell them about the united states you're like oh yeah you know college costs this much you know you got to pay for ambulances and also they can bankrupt you um because they cost this much amount of money right and you know people from europe are just horrified they're like oh my god like (laughs) it's incredible Mm. they literally begin to treat you like you live in the middle ages which in all (laughs) fairness i think is pretty valid it does feel like that sometimes it feels like we're right back in 
you know, the the time when we were burning witches and um <laughs> oh I don't know God, peeing in <laughs> chamber pots, right? Yeah, our our uh, our our schools and our healthcare systems just just bleed money. <laughs> That are, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, to be fair, the school system can't bleed money if it has no money to bleed. Well, I, rather, I guess I should say the school system, whatever money the school system has, gets sucked up into you know the healthcare apocalypse that we have going on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much everything is just a it's just a nightmare all the time. It's it's actually rather like quite a, quite apocalyptic when you when you really look at it from an outside perspective. Like, people in other countries are out here like, yeah, I mean, capitalism, like, blows, and we got climate change to worry about, and that's, like, pretty pretty much a bummer. But um, also, you guys can't go to hospitals? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. It's, just a, yeah. it's just a continuous death spiral that just keeps getting deeper <laughs> and more <It's>, pervasive. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> we live in a very contentious time. But anyway, um... Yeah, so Eurovision. Anyway. That's a yeah a brief reprieve from the yeah, hellish away from the death spiral. Yeah, you can, of you can watch life. Eurovision. Also, in my personal life, um, I've attempted to make onigiri for the first time as the weeb. Oh, as the weebdom calls. Nice. <laughs> I I make onigiri all the time. Um, because, I love them. <laughs> uh, I I love onigiri as well, but um, I make them all the time because they are uh, an excellent lunch food to pack. Uh, for they me. are. Yeah, I want. I actually wanted like something light for like something for breakfast actually because mm-hmm. um, I like something I don't know just like that that size essentially and I was like onigiri sounds good but I've never made them before the ones that I made <laughs> they are they're they're kind of chunky they they're a little <laughs> they're they're not packed tightly enough and so they're 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 chunky and they're not very you know <laughs> compactly formed I should say right. but they taste good because I followed a recipe <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, it's it's like rice <laughs> and some bits, right? Exactly. Like it's not, it's never gonna taste bad. In fact, right. like it would be rather difficult to make an onigiri taste bad because I mean, at I that point, like... <laughs> because at that point, it's a problem. Like it, it's like a it's like a one to two ingredient food. But at that <laughs> point, you are you. It's because you're fundamentally missing like something in the production of the rice probably and at that point you should just buy a rice cooker it will make your life easier (laughs) yeah my my onigiri were like you know it's usually like a one hand food my onigiri were like were like a one and a half hand food (laughs) they're they're not quite like two handed you know like a burger but you know (laughs) one hand to eat the other hand to catch whatever bits fall off yes (laughs) <laughs> when the top of the triangle falls off, you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Onigiri are nice, and you can customize them to your liking. Yes, you can put whatever I love you like that. in them. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, mm-hmm. I am a fan of uh, just the the umeboshi onigiri. Um, I want I to try that. Yeah, I haven't been able to find any. I think I'll just have to like order some from online mm. or something like that. I. But. Yeah. I think yeah yeah it if you don't have like a like specifically like a Japanese grocery store anywhere near you mm-hmm. it can be very difficult to to track down umeboshi but like on the bright side it fucking holds forever because it's a pickled uh, food yeah. 
So yeah, you yeah. could honestly just like order a giant jar online and just <laughs> eat from it forever. Like we buy some, <laughs> we buy these little like tiny dinky containers, but like you know these things last for fucking ever. Um, mm. So I'm a fan of the the umeboshi. I am yeah. a fan of the tuna mayo because that's what I mean. I mean tuna mayo. Yeah, tuna mayo is <laughs> yeah. good. Um, and yeah. then um, my other one, my like uh, my secret, my secret like unlock character uh, mm. onigiri is um, mm. is the is the miso yaki onigiri. So this is like you know you you put some um, you know you mix some like sesame oil and like miso together, and then you like put it on um, the outside of the onigiri, and then you you fry it in a pan. That's what I made too. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. We have the so same is, taste in food. <laughs> it's that's like mm, so so Gucci, so yeah. good. Yeah, like it is. Yeah, it's, it's everything really that you want. It's like crispy, crunchy. You yeah. got the the savoriness from the sesame oil and the yeah. um, and the miso. Oh, yeah. mm, delicious. <laughs> highly, highly recommend. Yeah, yaki I highly beer. recommend it. Just be careful because miso is is salty and it's yeah, kind of easy yeah, yeah. to like forget how salty it is and so i made mine with like a little too much miso but um uh, if you guys try it out there just be careful about your miso man but otherwise it's really 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 good yeah nice mm-hmm. is there anything else yeah. that you've been up to that's about it all right then yeah. Cool. Um, do you want to talk about Barakamon? Uh, speaking <gasps> of food, because uh, <laughs> speaking about moving away from terrible things happening in the world, this is a oh great yeah series for that. <laughs> 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 yeah. So Barakamon is originally a manga by Satsuki Yoshino, and it was later adapted into an anime by Kinema Citrus. Um, and it basically. Uh, the premise of the story is that it's about this 23-year-old calligrapher uh, named, uh, his last name is Honda, and he is a very prominent figure within the calligraphy world um, because he's continuously winning tournaments and w- awards and things like that. But at one particular um, exposition, he... Um, gets criticized by another prominent figure in the calligraphy world, uh, are, like definitely someone who's way, way, way higher up in the food chain than than Honda. Of course. And um, he clocks the guy in the face because he got criticized by this guy. The problem is, is that this guy not only is he a really prominent figure, he's also an old man with a cane. <laughs> yep. And the opening scene of this anime is just. Just Honda just laying into this old man for calling Honda's work boring. And I mean, essentially, he, he kind of implies that Honda's like, like, uh, not fit essentially for this world, even though Honda's like basically dedicated his life to it. Um, so he takes that very personally. And, um, as a result, his father, strongly encourages him aka just basically makes him move out to um an island and live out there for a while and just take a take a break (laughs) get away from what you just did (laughs) (laughs) and so the story picks up with him just adjusting to life on the island with all these villagers it's very very different obviously from the city life that he's known up until this point (laughs) <laughs> it's basically just touch grass the manga yes 
<laughs> it is about actually escaping from modern day society. <laughs> it's about actually touching grass. Uh huh. Like he he goes out into his yard and and pulls weeds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah. So, uh, this is um, I okay. <laughs> well, I I just want to start by talking mm-hmm. about my experience rewatching Barakamon because I sure. think I have watched it. Um, I believe I've watched Barakamon twice. Uh, before. Sure. Yeah. So I watched it. Um, once. Uh, pr- probably fairly close to uh when the original anime came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the anime came out in in twenty fourteen. And yeah. I probably watched it in like 2015, 16. Right. And then probably like two or so years later, um, in like 2017, 18, I think, um, I was showing some people Barakamon. Yeah. Um, I rewatched it this year in the year yeah. of our Lord 2022. Yeah. And, um, like, let, okay. <laughs> So eight years have passed since this <laughs> this anime came out, yes. and a, quite a curious thing happened, which is okay. the first time I watched this anime, mm-hmm. um, I was like probably seventeen, like sure. sixteen, seventeen. You are you are a different human being, <laughs> right? And so I watched this about about a twenty three year old, and I was like, oh, okay, cool, um, right? I watched it this this year. <laughs> As a twenty-five-year-old, and Let's I was—I was floored. I was like, "Oh no!" Yes, 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 yes. The passage of time is like withering me into a pillar of salt. That is so funny because I was also around Honda's age when this anime came out. <laughs> so <laughs> it just comes around. <laughs> Yeah, I just, man, I, I like listen. I liked it when I was uh, when I was that age, but now like at twenty five, this it like kind of hits different. It's like fucked up. <laughs> it's it's like really fucked up. Um, because like not only is it like um, not only is it like I I can relate to it more. It's like uh-huh. I can see. I can really see a, a like from from Honda's point of view a lot more, and I'm just yes. like, oh, yeah, oh, pain. <laughs> you really do make some dumb mistakes when you're that age, huh, bud? <laughs> um, so yeah, that was really interesting. Um, going back and watching something where. I was, you know, and this is the case for a lot of anime that I grew up with that I, I've gone back and rewatched in recent years. It's like when I watched it, I was probably like younger or about the same age as some of these like teenage characters. And now I'm like a grown ass person and it's really <laughs> fucking weird. <laughs> you, know, you you start to relate to the parents more and you're like mm, I know yeah, I, it's definitely yeah. that feeling right when you go back and you watch an anime from your childhood and you're like oh my gosh what the adults put up with <laughs> <laughs> right it's like oh these kids man and like you know don't don't get me wrong I, I completely get it I, I still yeah. vividly remember being in middle and high school I never yeah. you know this this I know um when I was growing up uh, I really like was not enthused about becoming an adult um i thought it would be kind of a bummer and guess what i was correct 
smug 16-year-old me was correct. Uh, being an mm. adult kind of blows. <laughs> it's great in many ways, but it also kind of blows. Right? <laughs> so the thing is that... Um, I remember very specifically when I was in high school, I mm-hmm. hated the way that adults treated me. And I mm-hmm. really, like, resolved myself to, like, never really forget the perspective of when I was, like, a younger person. Sure, um, right, right. Right? But it's it's also, at the same time, um, I feel like I haven't quite forgotten what it's like to be that age. But at the same time, I now also understand what it, what it must feel like to be the adults in that situation. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think that's a great place to be, though, right? Because you can kind of... You, you have a basic understanding of both sides, right? So if there is right. like a conflict or you have to interact with someone either younger or, or far older than you, you can kind of get where they're coming from. You know, it's not just immediately yeah. like a... I uh, mean, obviously... I, you're, you're, uh, <laughs> obviously, I am I'm aging into a, a withered sack of bones now. Oh, my so, God. <laughs> um, any, anytime I have to interact with a child, I'm just like, oh, my God. Oh, mm. oh they're talking about... They're talking about cheeses and... Uh, these nuts, these nuts is back Stop. in fashion, I guess. <laughs> Stop. You know, it's it's like it's like when you interact with somebody and they say like, "Oh, you mean like um uh like when they talk about something that you remember as being like kind of um contemporary or uh or whatever," and then they're like, "Oh, that old thing, right?" You're like, <gasps> it instantly ages you like fifty years, like. <laughs> You know, like, like, people, well, like people, <laughs> people nowadays are like actually talking about stuff that I grew up with like that, and it's like fucking weird. They're just like, oh, oh, you mean you mean that old anime Madoka Magica? And I'm like, you're right, it's ten Stop. years old. It's not old. <laughs> it just like, came out. <laughs> like, and it's it's bizarre because like <laughs> you watch the process of people discovering this stuff, yeah, and like yes. I am I am certain, right, that um. That uh, my to your particular like micro generation, um, because I think you're more far more squarely in the millennial bracket than I am. But I'm in the weird like in between between like um, you know millennials and like Gen Z, and uh, it's like whatever the fuck is happening here. But it's like incredibly bizarre because I definitely grew up and everybody was like talking about like you know Cowboy Bebop and stuff, right? And that kind of stuff is like remembered fondly as as classics, but that stuff came out in like the nineties. At at this point, that's like thirty years ago, right? Oh. So, so like <laughs> that stuff is like full, like fully ingrained as classics of of the of the medium and of the genre. Um, yeah. But now there's this weird nostalgia for stuff that came out in the mid like two thousands, right? Where yes, that was the stuff that I got into when I was starting to get into this stuff, right? Yeah, and that was stuff uh-huh. that was like airing then, right? Like, right, we're like we're like one or two years off of somebody rediscovering Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei. Let's go, right? Like, <laughs> it's it's bizarre. It's it's a it's a strange strange feeling. And watching uh, Barakamon in the Year of Our Lord twenty twenty two has mm-hmm. only like amplified those feelings to me. It's quite. Mm-hmm quite strange um i will say another thing that i noticed when i rewatched it this time um was that i noticed their accents so much more yeah right it's cool i think it's (laughs) and and like obviously i don't know how accurate um some of like some of the performances are oh sure sure right because i i don't i've never i I don't know anything about the goto islands you know yes um (laughs) and i don't know what that accent is supposed to sound like, 
but mm-hmm. it is um at the very least clear to me that they're not speaking in like the standard Tokyo dialect right. which was not was something that I was cognizant of when I watched it the first couple times mm-hmm. but but I didn't feel it on a on a like a uh, an actual like instinctual level right where I was I'm I'm listening to the the actual voice acting far more now than uh than when I was younger. Sure. And yeah, um that was yeah, that I was really they, interesting. I think they did a good job of basically trying to evoke the accent without going overboard unless it was like for a specific gag or part of the uh story like like when they intentionally try to make it so that Honda can't understand them kind of thing or uh Honda is in a situation where he isn't supposed to understand because the, their accent is so thick but otherwise i think they they do their best because obviously we as the viewers need to understand what they're saying and most people in Japan who are watching it probably aren't as familiar with the accent or are way more familiar with you know the Tokyo dialect right um, yeah and so they try to you know they try to basically kind of make it so that it's not super strong but understandable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean like I I can guarantee you that most of these people are are not natives of uh um, Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> of, of the Goto Islands. Uh they're yeah. not they're they're most of them are actually probably like Tokyo born as as is mm-hmm. the case. I mean there's a lot of really recognizable voice actors here. Like the mm-hmm. main character is fucking voiced by Daisuke Ono. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it, I will say it was really funny because like um, Daisuke Ono is like um, really really well known for playing Jotaro in Jojo's Bizarre Adventure and that's like kind of the role that most people will gravitate towards when they think about Daisuke Ono but like mm-hmm. you know he's a really famous voice actor who has played yeah. a lot of really big roles mm-hmm. um, so you know, people will remember him for for whatever, but like all of the voice, because like his voice is like really deep. So all of the roles that he plays are like these incredibly manly, masculine dudes, <laughs> and it's so funny to kind of hear him play like a pathetic wimp because you can <laughs> you can kind of hear his like his vocal cords straining a little to just be like, Ugh! yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's it's extremely funny. It's it's an excellent excellent performance. Um, yes. And it really, I think the voice acting is really stellar in this show specifically. Um, not only mm-hmm. because they they obviously um, try to work in the um, the dialect and the accents, right? Um, mm-hmm. But also just because the the performances are are so vibrant and um, they deliver exactly what they're meant to, and like it's just really funny. Um, I would I would say that. Um, Daisuke Ono does a really, really good job here. Um, but like all of the children are voiced by actual children, which is great. Um, yes. So they obviously, <laughs> you know, they do a fantastic job. They they sound yeah. like children. Um, a fun fact for you is that uh, Rina Endo, who is the voice actress for uh, for Hina, the the little crybaby uh, crybaby mm-hmm. child, um, is also the voice actress for uh, the child in Sweetness and Lightning. Yes, I was thinking um, because I watched Sweetness and Lightning after I watched Barakamon, I was like, I know that voice. Right, right. It's. I had to think when I when I listened to it because um, it's been, yeah. it's been a couple of years. Uh, last time I watched Sweetness and Lightning was obviously for for the podcast, mm-hmm. and it. I had to remember if it was uh, if it was Hina or if it was Naru's voice actor. Um, right, but mm-hmm. no, it's it's uh, it's Hina's voice actor. Yeah. And what's like what's extremely fucked up about this actually also is like obviously they were they were definitively children, 
yes. when the when they were when they were cast for this role. Um, but they're like seventeen now. I don't want to think about that. Like, because <laughs> like they were born in uh, two thousand five, which is like <laughs> that's a bonkers year for me to to consider having anybody be born in. <laughs> but um, but even the fact that we're so far removed from that time is like kind of like really weird to me. <laughs> uh... Oh God, the impassable march of time. It. It truly cannot be stopped. But like, yeah, there's um, there's a lot of really famous voice actors here. Um, uh, Fumihiko Tachiki is here, uh, the voice actor for Gendo. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays the teacher. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um. So yeah, they have uh, a really strong vocal performance for sure. Yeah. Um. So I would I would also say that um. It's uh, so Barakamon has this really interesting kind of um place where it is a slice of life gag comedy. Yeah. Um but it's like really grounded and I think it 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 is quite unique in that in that like a lot of it is like really funny and the gags are really funny. But they're also just like they're not really out there at all, right? It's an extremely normal show, but it's mm-hmm. played extremely, extremely funnily, right? Yeah, i I think I, I I think that's probably one of the reasons why I probably like this type of slice of life comedy more than most mm-hmm. is because there is something very grounded about the humor that doesn't feel forced. Like it feels very natural. The way that it comes about and the pacing isn't necessarily ruined by the humor. Like if they were to, for example, try to build up the joke a little too much or build or like stretch out the joke for too long, like it feels appropriately paced and the story can, you know, progress rather than just lingering on the humorous moments for too long. Because I feel like that's what happens a lot with slice of life comedies that aren't done as, I guess, sharply. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely it it kind of is interesting because I feel like shows like Barakamon um f- feel like they can be like kind of a dime a dozen. Uh but actually Barakamon is like kind of it kind of stands by itself. I I can't when you like when you distill it down, right? Um it's like a a gag comedy about a uh, about a struggling artist moving to a, a rural countryside and um, like becoming uh, ingrained within the community there, like that sounds pretty pretty normal, pretty average. Um, and I can you know think of a lot of you know other stories that sound pretty similar to that, but just like the way that it is executed um, makes it feel so different from everything else, like. When after you watch Brackamon, if you think of anything, um, if you try to think of anything that feels like it, it's really hard to actually. Yeah, it there is a really unique authenticity to this story that I find like more so than in others, and I feel like part of that is because the character cast feels like people I've met in the past. You know, they right, feel yeah. like they 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 feel like <laughs> they they are portrayed as like actual people, and so then you do feel the sense of community that they build up within the manga and you do 
you I love that it's told in the the perspective of Honda because you you also are being introduced to this village and so you kind of get slowly welcomed in by these very warm personalities um and you kind of get to slowly know the villagers as he gets to know the villagers um and so then there's a very natural humor by how they tease him for being a sensei or whatever of calligraphy and mm-hmm. how he's an ikemen and all these all these kinds of things and he has city sensibilities but he doesn't understand anything about you know how to take it slow in the village life and and all this kind of stuff is really um i think it's really well done yeah yeah i mean there is just like a lot of humor that uh comes from um just just the antics that the characters get up to mm-hmm. just the um just the pure interaction between them right um about uh just kind of how each character feels so like unique and realized and the main character is kind of this like pathetic jackass right <laughs> like he's just he he's he he's like kind of wimpy he goes with the flow a lot be- not because like you know he wants to but just because like he can't help but get swept up in things um uh-huh. he's really like um he's really picky and like yeah. um he's like a- aggressive and he like you know yep. doesn't he wants everything he's to very, be perfect yes, but like he's very nothing, prideful uh-huh. right he's very prideful <laughs> nothing is ever perfect like yeah. it's it is extremely funny to watch mm-hmm. the, you know the main character um interact with the rest of the cast because yes. that that energy is captured so well um yes. and the the sensibilities of of the rural folks are just so far beyond him and it's not like um i would say that the thing is that a lot of the humor is not um like pretty much none of the humor is like is is ill-natured at all right yeah at the end of the day everybody's everybody's still laughing it's not like um it's not like this is like a look at these country hicks and like what their uh, right, like what their right, weird right. country sensibilities it's yeah. it's that you know honda is the weird one for not understanding for being the fish out of water right yeah um they're just like what the what do you mean right um uh like it, it's this, and he's just like, "What? I, I don't, I don't understand what you're saying, right?" Um, yeah. Or when he like uh picks up the random packet of, of like things in the store, and then they're all needles, so he has to fucking help pick oh, all yeah. of them up with the magnet. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Or the fact that he doesn't understand why no one locks their doors, and he also doesn't understand why the children somehow keep on getting right. He, just, he doesn't house, know how they even keep getting in. He locks his doors. <laughs> And everything, everything about it just feels so yeah. like natural, and yeah. it, everything kind of just flows and works. Like it has the exact pace that it needs to, and you can you feel yourself at the same time as Honda being drawn into this cast of characters mm-hmm. and becoming essentially, you know, one one uh, member of this community. And it really does, really does feel like that. Um, I was going to say, what I also like about the cast um, that I think separates this from other slice of life um, works is that there is such a chaotic energy, especially with Naru taking the lead, um, that she kind of inspires or she kind of draws out the chaos from Honda. And so he becomes a little crazier too, but he becomes more free as a person and you end up like, like it's awesome it's almost like a more likable side of him when he kind of like breaks out of his 
his, right, his yeah. weird stringent personality, right? Um, and I think that's what uh, helps um, keep this uh, slice of life from being, I don't know, I guess like too too slow or too boring. Like it's slow when it needs to be, but it's also like quick and 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 explosive when it needs to be too. Yeah, I think I think that's what I really actually like about uh, about Barakamon, which is that it is um, one would think when you think of something that is like um, artist takes a rural retreat to to recover, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whether from like mental fatigue or whatever, it's always like this really slow, kind of beautiful pastoral right. story about yep. like the beauty of nature and like you mm-hmm. know feeling um, like your uh, like you're healing as a result of, mm-hmm. of of the nature and the way that these people live, but it's mm-hmm. it's quite different in Barakamon. It's a direct result of the people to the point where when he gets to the airport and nobody's there to pick him up, and you know he finds Naru's grandpa driving a tractor. He's like, "You want a ride?" And he's like, <laughs> "Sure." And he gets on, and he's like, "Um, he's looking at the ocean. And he's like, it's." It's nothing special. It doesn't look mm-hmm. that good. And he's just mm-hmm. like, yep, it's, it's the ocean. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, through the course of the of the show, he gets to to know everybody in um, everybody in the village and um, becomes a part of, of this community. He gets to know all the children. He's very popular with the children, obviously. They just love to bother him. And he's just like, why? <laughs> Wheeze. Um, and when he comes back at the end of um uh at the end of the series, he takes a look at the ocean again. He's like, it looks it looks good, you know, it it looks beautiful. Um, and yeah. Gar's grandpa is just like, what are you talking about? That's just the ocean. What I what I love about that moment is they actually in the manga they have that all in one chapter, and it's okay. really really well done. Um, uh, because the way that they. Uh, do the storytelling through the paneling, for example, right? Is usually the bigger panels show the bigger moments. And so you would expect, um, because I watched the anime before I read the manga, that the moment where he punched out (laughs) the old man would be a huge moment. Like, it would be like a spread, right? That kind of thing. Because they show it. They, they, they like, repeat slow-mo it in the anime. It it is actually so funny how they depict (laughs) that moment in the anime. (laughs) It is so entertaining. And they they do a great job. I don't don't hate the anime at all for doing this. It's just, it's a different approach than what the manga does, is that uh, the manga instead just has a different focus, right? The Mm -hmm. manga will, uh, it ended up um, only having, like, uh, the top of the page show the punch and then the rest of the page showing kind of like the reactions or whatever. But then the first full page spread after that is when he sees the ocean on the tractor and he's, he's, you know, coming into the village for the first time. So he sees the ocean and it's pretty. And the, and Honda has his reaction of, Oh, you know, it's not that great. Like whatever. And the old man is saying that, you know, it's, it's, it's actually when, um, that he's not, he, (laughs) I'm messing it up. Sorry. Um, that uh, it's of course it's not going to look pretty right now because it's cloudy, right? Um, and that it's when um, it's right now when he basically needs to see it the most, kind of kind of impression. Um, and so later on in the episode, after he's meet he's met some of the villagers and he's getting settled in, he ends up seeing the ocean again. 
and he sees it at sunset and then that's when you know all the beauty of the ocean kind of like hits him and he realizes oh okay i kind of understand what the old man was trying to tell me earlier is that it's right now when i'm kind of lost and i don't know where i'm going that i i really do need to see this kind of thing you know Mm -hmm. yeah so i think it's uh it's really cool seeing i i I think if you got uh our listeners out there want to experience this story, either the anime or the manga or both <laughs> are really really good adaptations of the story. Um they are different and so but they're equally um engaging and so it just depends on I guess mm-hmm. the story format that you prefer, but I think they're different enough that you could get a good experience even if you experience both, you know. Right. I mean, to be fair, I have never actually read the manga. Um, mm. I I would like to at some point. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just um, I will say, having watched the anime, I think it would be pretty difficult to make a second season of it. Um, just because like a lot of the cast has has like aged out of being able to play these <laughs> characters in many ways. Um, but also just like Barakamon is just this is such a nice like well-contained one season like yes i agree right it doesn't need any (laughs) more yeah it it really just feels like a a perfect little little package like a little bundle Mm -hmm. um you know it takes you on a journey through a uh for uh through 12 episodes and you get pretty much exactly what you think you're going to get right Mm -hmm. um it's really odd and chaotic and there's stuff happening like all the time and none of it is like meaningful at all but like at the same time it's it's like you know um it it's it, it like fixes honda right it it gives yeah. him some amount of life um and um it draws uh some kind of inspiration to to uh uh it f- makes a, a kind of inspiration well up inside of him um which i think is you know, really cool because I think it is, um, I think it's, uh, like, interesting that the central sort of conflict of his, you know, personal development uh, has a lot to do with being, you know, the perfect calligraphy boy and having the uh-huh. perfect context uh, contest calligraphy that has essentially been, you know, handed down to him by his father, right? And uh-huh. the process of him just kind of, learning to do things for himself and being like a, a little more, you know, um, of putting a little more of himself into it. Right. Um, it makes for better art and it also, you know, kind of frees him from, from these expectations. And I think, you know, we've talked a lot about how as an artist, it is important to branch out of, uh, your specific field and, experience different things because they can bring a fresh perspective to your art and this is like very true for for honda but also at the same time it is um it's pretty indicative of like something that i've noticed a lot um with the way that um that i specifically um engage with with creating media but um i think a lot of people can relate to this which is that I think sometimes people just like think too much about the things that they make, right? Yeah. They, they like yes. <laughs> they think about it so much mm-hmm. that they that they end up like um kind of like writing themselves into into a corner with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um it becomes a point of of contention that when you think about something that much, it can feel a little bit like stiff and prepared and lifeless and it's 
important to kind of like tap back into you know your well of inspiration and you know um be just be a little bit like looser with it right it feels like such a feels like such a like stereotypical thing to say about art like oh you know like real art comes from the heart or whatever but like <laughs> i think like it's just i think it's easier i think it's simpler than that i think like when you get too in your head about mm-hmm. you know um about what your uh what your art should be i think a lot mm-hmm. of times that comes from um from outside pressure right yeah from... i i love the way that they set it up for honda is that he is such an accomplished calligrapher um but it's actually precisely because he constantly makes works for tournaments and you know big art art exhibitions and things like that that his style has just become um what other people might call like boring or textbook um it's really good but it's it lacks any kind of unique personality behind it um and uh and i love that right away um the first work that he creates while on the island is something that's completely chaotic it just he he completely like breaks out of the bounds of the actual paper that he's working on and just ends up like like there's paper all over the place um <laughs> i i have no idea how he yeah. gets all of the ink he splatters everywhere <laughs> off of his walls every time i see it i'm like oh my god that's never coming out like you have to repaint that wall <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a weird adult concern you're like oh my god <laughs> yeah and i think i think the whole tournament and and the, the situation that he's in is very representative of all the situation that a lot of creatives are in when they do work for money or for this and that kind of circumstance you kind of lose sight of why you first started doing it in the first place or what makes you passionate right. about it right yeah I also I also think that I there is a definite part of this that harkens back to um just in general pastoral na- uh, narratives and like what uh what is valuable about them right which is to say that um a lot of the reason that people trend towards these pastoral stories is because the sort of um uh the at least the mythos right uh of of agriculture is that it is connected deeply to to community right um these agricultural like rural towns feel like everybody knows each other and everybody has known each other forever right and they're willing to you know help each other right that's a feeling that you don't really get in in a big city right um like god like a big city like tokyo or even just like you know a city that like you or I live in where mm-hmm. everyone has something that they're you know um looking to do all the time you know everybody has so many concerns so many worries that um life moves like just too fast for for people right we were never mm-hmm. meant to deal with life being this much all the time right right and yep. like that's that's one thing which I think is really that stands out to me about Barakamon, which is yeah. that it's not just like um, genius calligrapher goes to rural place to get inspiration. It's that he's able to make that art because he's being supported by everybody 
um from the community right yeah um Mm -hmm. to the point where when he is um when he's like when he uh (laughs) kind of grandstands a little bit like oh no i'm sorry this isn't my real piece the real piece will be way better and he fucking throws the barley tea on it and you're like what are you doing i know oh my god because the piece looks great you're like oh it's so good you know and then um And then the piece that he does come out with is uh, is the stone wall, right? It's, yeah. Um, the uh, both an experience that he had in um, in uh, the the Goto Islands uh, in that community, and also like um, being the ledger of their names is like something that's like yeah. incredibly deeply meaningful to him and him yeah. alone. And like you know, he gets fifth place for it, right? But it it doesn't matter because it's so like personal and so it's so much art for him and not to win a contest right right exactly i love that that's the focus of this story too is that when you become a full-time you know artist or creative um of course that feels amazing and 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 don't get me wrong that's amazing when you get steady work and all that kind of stuff but you you can sometimes get to this point where because you're trucking along and people love this very specific style that you do, a very specific thing that you do, you feel like even if your heart's not in it, you have to keep going with it because you're afraid that if you branch out and do other things, people will hate it and you'll there's like a fear of failure, right? You'll lose everything that you gained up until that point. And so within this work, Honda does end up not placing first anymore in tournaments and that crushes him right he's that's what he's used to he's what he's used to winning all the time and with these new works that he likes more than his previous works he's doing worse um than when than what he did before and so there's a very obvious debate of is he doing the right thing even though he's not being societally recognized as much for what he's making now in a personal sense it's far more satisfying and so there's this constant duality, but then as he's developing his style more, as he's you know building more bonds with the community, his style starts to really come into its own, and he's starting to slowly but surely, you know, get better and better at it and be more recognized for it, like publicly, but more more importantly, he's feeling more confident in himself. And I think that's that's about it. all I have to say about the work. It's really it's really a very uh i want to say like it's a strong piece of work uh, of a of a work of a series if um you are someone who can identify with this kind of story where it's about finding a personal meaning a personal journey um someone who uh needs to form <laughs> all these like connections with really um wholesome characters um that kind of thing um, it's a very relaxing story, but it has a lot of um, heart and meaning to it. Um, there's also apparently a spinoff called Honda Kun, which is about yeah, the protagonists. I had actually <laughs> uh, heard about this. Life. Yeah, it's about it's yeah. about Honda in high school, um, yeah. which also sounds pretty funny. Like, there's obviously yeah. that uh, that photograph of of uh, him with you know a bunch of his like I I friends I guess question mark uh-huh. I I don't know. Um, but yeah. I I think for what I would say for for Brockman is it um it occupies this interesting place where it fits into 
a couple of um pretty popular narratives about um people finding themselves in uh you know in rural retreat but more specifically kind of within the community in those places i think um a lot of times you know what obviously what is missing from um from modern life under the crushing modern the ills of capitalism right is that sense of community and like he wouldn't be able to succeed without the without the people supporting him right um the uh the the village chief uh and and his wife you know bring him lunch every day right um, <laughs> yeah nara's grandpa brings him pickles right um, <laughs> oh my god by the way uh it, it that was extremely funny um but also it was um it made me really curious and apparently there is a there's a recipe for there the is pickles. a recipe in the manga, in the manga. i, I yeah. screen capped it because i want to make them <laughs> Yeah, so I, I'm uh, I'm I'm planning on uh, on trying to make these as well. Um, yes. If I do, uh, I will I will give you an update in the next episode. Do it. It's really it's really simple recipe too. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> it's basically just like dried and then pickled uh, daikon mm-hmm. radish. Mm-hmm. Which um is is just interesting. I didn't I didn't think about drying them first. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. Pretty excited, pretty excited to try those. But they they will probably be good. Like Korean people already fucking love pickled radish. It's like I okay. So the thing is, you know, I obviously I work at a um at a Korean fried chicken restaurant, right? And um one of the sides that you can get is is the pickled radish. Um I once watched a Korean um like uh a Korean person and uh, I guess like her son or something come in. Uh, clearly from Korea, and they were probably just craving some like from some food from home, right? <laughs> they ordered some chicken, and then they ordered like like four orders of separately of like pickled radish, and they just went through all of them. It was amazing. I've never seen <laughs> someone eat so much pickled radish. <laughs> they were really missing it. <laughs> yeah, they were they were really serious about that stuff. But I mean, it, <laughs> I, I understand. I understand. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, either that or that's just a normal day for them (laughs) that is also entirely possible yeah some people just love pickles I love pickles don't get me wrong I I, I love any kind of pickle Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah uh, it is it's not just about like living a slower life um, and being away from um, the sort of like uh, the pace of modern uh, of modern city living so much mm-hmm. as it is just about like finding finding things that matter and you know finding people who care about you and who are willing to help you and and support you right yeah <laughs> yeah honestly like that that might that might honestly be it um there are i think generally a lot of things that i i could talk about in terms of like uh pastoralism right um it's mm-hmm. obviously a topic that I've I've brought up like um now and again uh in the in the course of the many years of of podcasting talking about <laughs> you know slice of life and um you know specifically pastoral slice of life and why that kind of stuff is so popular why that kind of stuff pops up a lot in like isekai fiction um but to be honest like I I could I could Sit here and I could talk to you about all of that. Um, or you could watch uh you could watch a video essay called The Anime Countryside by um by a creator named Hazel, who 
um, just sums it up like I say sums it up. This this video is like an hour and seventeen minutes. <laughs> so. um, but yeah, um, this uh, so she's responsible for uh, making video essays about anime that I've been really enjoying. They take a really critical like and historical lens to a lot of work <laughs> in the early two thousands to like mid um or the early like 2000s to like the 2010s ish right mm. um which is obviously like what we talked about like that's the era of things that people are beginning to be to discover right <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah you feel old <laughs> i do i do but yeah if you if you want to know um if you want to hear more about like uh about that kind of topic, then I highly recommend you go uh, you go watch that video because uh, I've been enjoying this channel. I'm not sponsored or anything. <laughs> That'd be well. weird. That'd be weird if a, if a random YouTube channel just sponsored us to give us to give them a shout out. I guess that's what the Patreon is for. But anyway, um, yeah. So that's that's Barakamon. Um, and I guess I guess we'll just keep it short and sweet. Um, have a little little breathing room, you know. This is this is your your homework for uh for the next month, which is just to take a little little breather to yourself, <laughs> find a little inspiration here and there, and you know what? If it if it doesn't come, it doesn't come. It's how it is. Yeah, branch out a bit from your daily routine. <laughs> yeah, find something to care about. All right, well. <laughs> Who are you? Where can we find you on the internet? Hey, I am Renu, also known as Swan. You can find me on Instagram at swan.drawn. You can find me on Twitch and Twitter and Tumblr and Facebook, all that kind of stuff, at swandrawn. I have reached floor 96 out of 100 in the Bloody Palace in DMC5. Wow. <laughs> so when you say this, do you mean that you have reached it and have like dropped a save down there? Or do you mean like no. that's the highest that you're... That's that the highest. Okay. Yes. <sighs> and that's the thing is that like once you once you get down to the lower levels, each time you, you attempt it, it takes like two hours or so. <laughs> So it's been it's been but we've again uh we've been making progress every every stream. So I've I've kind of reached a point where I I <laughs> uh I need to practice <laughs> get better at the game a bit more before I can feel confident that I'll be able to advance further in in the uh challenge. But I'm four levels away, dude. <laughs> you know yeah, you you made it. You made it four levels away from the end. Um, <laughs> Tbh, if I got that far and I I fucking beefed it, I I would just give up. <laughs> there's there's no way. I don't think I have the mental tenacity to to manage that. That's I'm just, so that's determined though because it's like I I it was like a, being gradually overwhelmed rather than being steamrolled. Right? If I was steamrolled, right. I'd feel pretty discouraged. But it's like. I it's definitely doable. So <laughs> I, you know, I guess that's I guess that's fair. Yeah, uh, I've I don't know. I think when I was younger, I was pretty decent at just kind of uh, brute force trying something until I got it. Um, but nowadays, yeah. like, I it's really hard for me to do that. The only time I really do it is when I'm playing like from software games, like Dark Souls. Oh, like, sure, yeah. That that's the most like I have felt like I need to do um like a uh sort of like sisyphean trial of of just like pushing the boulder up the hill over and over and over again <laughs> um 
but yeah, all right. You, I mean, you're almost yeah. there. I believe in you. Um, the boulder's in, almost there, Soupy. I'm making progress. <laughs> in in the words of Clarice Granblue Fantasy, Ek Ek Don Cho, Gambare Gambare Don Cho. Yeah. <laughs> almost there. <laughs> yeah. What about you? <laughs> You can find me all the places at Literal Soup. Um, every weekend, I do two weekend streams. Um, one on Saturday, which is um, uh, the Ace Attorney stream with Renu. We are hey. almost... I think we're like halfway through game two of the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Um, at least I think so. Uh, generally are we? Like, I think there's generally like like four or five cases per, uh, per game, and we're on case... Like we did, we just finished case two, so I think that puts us at about the halfway mark. Um, I feel like we're just getting started in yeah. terms of like progression in the plot line. I, I guess <laughs> you know? I guess that's I guess that's true. I I suspect that the next um the next one is gonna gonna chunk us some some story progress. Okay. Yeah. Um, please. And then on Sunday I do a tier list stream where we uh, rank D and D fifth edition subclass is in a tier list and. That's been going pretty well. We, uh, this is going to date this episode. Um, we just finished Rogues, and we're going to move on to Sorcerers. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're checking along. We're trying to get through it. Um, I think Sorcerers will probably have to be a two-parter because there's so many of them, and I think they're <laughs> going to be pretty janky. Um, but, yeah, uh, that's a lot of fun. Um, obviously, I've been saying this for the last, like, bajillion episodes. I, I would like to start streaming again. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, it, 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 is, it just can be hi- kind of hard to find a time to um, just because I don't want to be streaming uh, when, uh, when Gwen is asleep. We just moved into the office together because uh, we have um, another one of our friends uh, who moved into uh, the now vacant room. Um, I say vacant. It's already full of his stuff, right? <laughs> we, we spent all of this weekend moving it, um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's 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 just not really feasible for me to like start streaming like nine p.m. and go for like three hours like I used to. Um, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, uh, maybe maybe one day. I don't know. It's it's weird. <laughs> My schedule's getting like weirder. It's not even getting like busy or net per se. It's just getting weirder. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I will be doing those, and that's like primarily where where you'll be able to find me. Um, and I suppose on on that note, um, let's uh, let's wrap up, shall we? Woo! Okay. Well, our opening is by Scotch Network, and our ending is by Takamakata. And the patrons we are thanking uh, this episode are Evan Williams, Magpie Meritess, Claire Frostfall, Shandao, Cherubel, and Dylan Boats. Thank you so much for the support. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah. On that note, I think um, I believe that uh, the the person behind Scott Two Network uh, just uh, dropped some more music, so you should definitely check that out. Woo! <laughs> yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty rad. I gotta say. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that was a short and sweet episode. Um, I feel like we definitely could have tangented for longer, but I also I also kind of like when we can keep around the one hour mark. It, yeah. Just feels <laughs> it feels very podcast like, doesn't yeah. it? To have like a one mm-hmm. hour episode, um, yep. even though every single time we do a wrap up episode, it's like two and a half hours. <laughs> 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 oh boy. Um, anyway, uh, 
we got we got some more stuff in the pipeline. Um, we got some stuff planned, uh, and I think that June is going to be quite an exciting month for the Absolute Territory podcast. Which is a really ominous thing to say now that I say it like that. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we will see you next time. See you next time. ね。